Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In our previous episode, we delved into the keys to thriving in the digital age with Alessandra Marini, exploring strategies for creating fulfilling work environments and navigating change management. Alessandra's insights on fostering trust, overcoming resistance, and maximizing productivity left us inspired to lead with courage and transparency. Now, as we transition into part three of our captivating conversation, they are ready to uncover essential strategies for embracing change and boosting productivity in the digital age. Alessandra will share her expertise on cultivating meaningful relationships with team members, addressing job security concerns, and creating a safe space for growth and innovation. In this episode, we'll delve deeper into the challenges and opportunities presented by digital transformations. Alessandra's insights and practical strategies will empower you to navigate change effectively, foster trust within your teams, and create an environment where innovation can flourish. So, buckle up for another enlightening conversation that will equip you with the tools you need to thrive in a rapidly evolving world. Part 3 promises to provide you with valuable insights and actionable advice for embracing change and unlocking your team's full potential. So, let's... Think about uh, another interesting question is, is as you mentioned, uh, artificial intelligence actually does help uh, to boost productivity. And there will be a group of people, like you said, they, they don't want to touch anything new. And you mentioned about there's a need for change management. How would you talk to these people? How would you advise leaders to get people to be excited to learn new technology, especially ones that boost, boost their productivity? In the context where the person might be thinking, hey, if I use ChatGPT in my job, let's say with customers in administration, maybe the AI or the robot will take away my job and I would have no job. And so I would don't want to cooperate. How would you look at that? Right? How would you help the leaders? Yeah, so wonderful question. Yes, I am helping right now a client through this. And I think that I would like to highlight two points that are very uh, related among each other. The first one is besides the change, with or without the change, what is the relationship that I built with my employee? Because if I want to build a relationship of trust, just when I need something in return, their acceptance to this change, this is not a very healthy way of constructing and building a healthy relationship with your team members. So I would say as leaders, cultivate your relationship with the team members in a very free way, without expecting anything in return. This is the first point. Because actually what I see is that uh, people or leaders, sometimes they are just, okay, yes, people do their own job, et cetera, et cetera. I don't really take care of them in, on a daily basis, yeah. but I'm going to provide care 
when I need them to do something differently or when I need to, yeah, when I need them to do something in a, in, yeah, for my own interest or for the company's interest. So I would really recommend to have rituals with your team just to have a chat to, to understand what is going on in their lives or what struggles do they have in their professional life as well. So this is the first point. And then when safety and this trust level in your relationship with them, I think that when you want to improve productivity, it's also important to, to make sure that people feel safe in their job. And I'm not talking just as a coach, but as a black belt expert as well. Because in a, for those who don't know, when you're a black belt, you help companies to become more efficient and more effective. And so we identify waste to get rid of, I don't know, some useless tasks. And of course, there are some productivity gains to be found. Okay. So you need to be very clear about what you are expecting from this. So if there are, if there will be some layoffs or some people being redundant, how do you take care of that immediately? And uh, do not just let it uh, be a goat in the conversation. It's like uh, having a, uh, an elephant in the room, okay? Everybody's thinking about this, but uh, nobody's going to, to dare to talk about it. But then in the behaviors of the team members, they, it will, yeah, it will come up. Okay, so take, be proactive and say things like, okay, with this improvement, for example, we will need 0.5 FTE less in, in the next few months. And also talk about the plan that you have. So the 0.5 or 1 FTE that is going to be redundant, this is how we are going to use it in a very interesting and powerful way. For example, we want to up-level the service relationship with our customers. And so this new resource will be used or will be uh, trained to do this. Because otherwise, of course, if I don't feel safe in a change, I don't want to go on it. And uh, even though maybe I'm forced to move towards this change, I will do it. But I will either try to sabotage it or I will do the very minimum to, to do it. And it's not beneficial for the company. So what I would recommend to um, leaders, and I will finish because it's a very long answer, is uh, to be courageous. Because uh, sometimes what I see is people or managers that they hope that uh, these questions don't arise but they will arise. So be proactive because the more proactive you are, the less people will come at you in the least convenient moment during the change. That's a very good advice. One of the things that I want to ask, as you mentioned, be courageous because in Asia, especially people from, typically tend to run top down, like um, the CEO as a CHRO, CFO, CEO, and then go on. And the way they always like to depict themselves is I'm a tough, benevolent guy. I will like like a tiger mom or a tiger dad or <laughs> I will do something and I'll deal with scolding or something like that. And so when they realize that and the kids are so afraid, they don't want to open up. And now the parents realize, oh my God, the leaders realize that the subordinates of the followers are like suffering from autism. Don't even want to talk about things. Now they want to be courageous to open up. Like the leaders want to be courageous to open up to, to get their feedback or their view how, what, what kind of advisor that you want them to think about so that they can think about it and then before they can engage a coach? Because I'm sure there's some kind of level of expectation and homework that they need to do before they get a coach. Right? It's almost like a gym coach, right? Or you, you know, get me, you have to do 
enough cardio on your own and you come and do some heavy lifting. Absolutely. Yes. There is some level of vulnerability, of course, when you do coaching and you need to, if you want to get out of, if you want to get something from this coaching or from a coaching, you need to be willing to, to question your belief and your convictions. And by opening up, by being more vulnerable and also by being able also to receive feedback. This is key, what you were saying. Of course, there is some cultural differences. When I coached someone from India and from Brazil, from the United States, from European countries more in general. And of course, you have to take that into account. But if you want to get something out of the coaching, these are the minimum requirements. Otherwise, then you're going to blame the coach <laughs> that he didn't do a good job. And of course, there is uh, this uh, shared responsibility. And this is why I love coaching, because there is shared responsibility. The coach guides you, okay, but you lead. Okay, so it's not, it's not the coach that does all the work. If you're not doing your part, this is not going to work. So ask yourself the question, why do you want to do the coaching? And if the motivation is not strong enough, maybe it's not the right moment for you. But if you build a relationship of trust as well with your coach, it is so empowering because you have your safe space where you can open up and then you clear some things inside of yourself before opening up with the team members. Because this is the main point. It's not just opening up with your coach, but how do you open up also with your team members? And if you do it from a clean place, vulnerability is beautiful because you know that it's not something scary because people can, uh, can touch some of the wounds, but you healed the wounds beforehand working with your coach, for example. Wow. And it just reminds me of this vivid coat, like the eagle for them. They will always grow their beak until very long. So in order for them to be sharp again to feed or to feed their kids, they have to break their beak, which is very painful. Or even the lobster or the crab, they have come out of that hard shell to grow a new shell again, to grow bigger. And there is that set of vulnerability that they have to take that risk in order to grow. Absolutely. Now that makes an interesting question is, what do you think about the future of coaching given the rapid rise of artificial intelligence and the future of work. Like, how does these three things go hand in hand in the future? What is your view on that? Yes, I think that the coaching industry is completely online. This is the first thing. And so in my opinion, now we have access to a lot of more coaches because now you do not have just your neighbor or the, the coach that lives in your town. So it's beautiful because you can have access to more people. And uh, something that, uh, in my opinion, is very important as well in in coaching is that, as we were saying, the level of awareness is increasing. Some basic things that maybe previously you needed a coach to to realize that or to to understand this this topic or to have a new awareness, etc. Now you can find it online, and this is why, in my opinion, before getting a coach, etc., it can be interesting to to have a general knowledge about self-development, self-growth, personal development, sorry, or personal growth. And and yeah, I think that it's also the future of coaching is it's going to be very much normalized in, in companies. If we think about, for example, corporate corporate coaching, because there are different ways of, of, of coaching. But for the corporate coaching, I think that, yeah, it's going to be very much more normalized because as we were saying previously, 
well-being is not just a buzzword anymore, but it's a real thing. And uh, if we're not able to provide that, talents will go elsewhere or they will create their own companies. I think that, yes, coaching has a lot of beautiful space in corporations. Yes, that's a part of the answer I would like to give. Cool. So you mentioned about uh, now coaching has gained its acceptance uh, where everything is going online and mm-hmm. so many coaches and coaching will be normalized with corporate coaching coming into place. But the interesting question is that apart, apart from the, the previous answer that I give uh, for somebody to pick a coach or to receive coaching, yes, first have to be willing to be vulnerable, look into questioning the belief and receiving feedback. Now the next interesting question, because as you mentioned, there's suddenly so many coaches or so-called, so many self-called gurus. As one, how does a leader or how does a manager, whether is it going for personal coaching or corporate coaching, how does he or she knows what's the best fit coach for him or her needs? What will you advise them? Really, absolutely. The first thing that comes to my mind is that, in my opinion, a leader should ask himself or herself the question, do I want a mentor? Or do I want to coach a mentor? Yeah. yeah, the mentor is a person who has been there. Okay, so maybe they have had the the experience that the the client uh, is experiencing right now, and so he offers his personal experience and uh, what he or she has been through, and this can help or not the client. Okay, so this is something, or is this person wanting is willing to go through coaching, and coaching is about not outsourcing the knowledge, okay, but finding your own knowledge, okay? So this is why I was saying when you're coaching is when you, when you ask questions. And of course, if you want a coach that will help you to find your own answers, you need to be willing to go deeper within yourself. But if you want to do something lighter or just to get some strategies, how to do stuff, etc., maybe a mentor would be a better recommendation. And both are valid. It just depends on what you want. Share me, like, how, what do you mean by deeper within yourself? Do, do you have a personal experience where you also received coaching before and to eventually discover that deeper in yourself versus when you receive mentorship? Yes, absolutely. I can share one example of one of my clients recently where this person had some struggle expressing herself and when she was when she had some disagreement with the boss or colleagues etc so if i had a mentor approach i would give her the tools and strategies and models to help them formulate her her message in a very clear and efficient way this would be what a mentor could do for example if i am a coach i would question more what how you know I would question more about her difficulty of, of, of sharing the message. And actually what I, what we discovered with this coach, with this client, sorry, is that she was not allowing herself talk about disagreement, et cetera, because in her own culture and in her own personal experience, she was not able to express when she was not, uh, when she was not agreeing with some, with someone in her personal life. And so she was not allowing that part to come up at work neither. So I was repeating a pattern of her personal life into her professional life. And once she discovered this helps a lot to expressing the boundaries, expressing 
what uh, was important to her, etc., etc. So you see the difference between I will offer you some knowledge or I will help you understand where does it come from and how it is impacting your life right now. And of course, you are not outsourcing the, the knowledge because now you have your own answers. But what happens with the mentorship sometimes is that, and of course, this is uh, not true all the time. It also depends how you do your mentorship, of course. But uh, when you have, when you're a client and you have a question or you want to be helped, you go to see a mentor, he will give you an answer. And then the next time you have a question, you do not have the tool to think about your own answer. So you go back to the mentor. And this is why, in my opinion, sometimes uh, some gurus online create a relationship of codependency or dependency, where I do not have my own freedom and I do not trust my own intuition about things. While in coaching, that's not the case because on the most, the thing that I appreciate the most, that I care the most about clients is uh, to make sure that uh, we have a starting point in coaching and we have an ending point. Coaching will never go on forever because I want my client to be able to find his own or her own wisdom and uh, yeah, and to be free and do not outsource uh, her well-being or uh, his, his knowledge. Very, very interesting way of expressing these two ideas. As you mentioned, mentorship, it's about person has been there, he's given you some tools, some new strategies to solve the particular problem at hand. It's a very quick, responsive way. When the mentor probably doesn't engage the same situation as you do, this thing doesn't work anymore, right? Whereas for coaching, it gets you to go deep within, to go and search within yourself. Yeah, if I do watch those Hollywood movies where, you know, the, the ancient master or the sensei, I don't know why you watch Kung Fu Panda. Of course. That, you know, mouse, which is the sensei, right? The grandmaster and the parties, right? Talk to the panda, Kung Fu Panda himself and getting him to really be aware that actually he knows most of the Kung Fu strokes. But he's trying to get the really true congruence between why he needs to fight for what he fights for. And once he gets that, he is no longer afraid of the villain, no matter how big or how small. If, yes, of course, maybe the villain might be very big. He might not defeat him the first time, but he's now at peace with himself to going back at the problem again, right? Absolutely. Having said that, interesting that you also mentioned about start coaching as a starting point and the ending point. I've, I've seen in sports coaching, they... The coach is almost like a full-time job. We've reached the end of part three of our enlightening podcast episode with Alessandra Marini, where we explore the essential strategies for embracing change and boosting productivity in the digital age. Alessandra's insights on cultivating trust, addressing job security concerns, and creating a safe space for growth left us inspired to lead with courage and transparency. But our journey doesn't end here. As we transition into part four, get ready to embark on a new adventure of personal growth and coaching with Alessandra. She will share her unique perspective on coaching and the importance of setting clear starting and ending points in the coaching process. In this episode, we'll delve into the power of vulnerability and acceptance as Alessandra encourages us to face our inner monsters and seek personal liberation. She'll provide valuable advice for fresh graduates and mid-career professionals navigating the challenges of digital transformation, emphasizing the significance of digital literacy and openness to global opportunities. So get ready to dive deep into the world of personal growth and coaching with Alessandra Marini. Part 4 promises to be an enlightening and transformative conversation 
conversation that will empower you to embrace vulnerability, set clear goals, and navigate the ever-changing landscape of personal and professional growth. Don't miss out on this episode as we continue our journey of self-discovery with Alessandro Marini. Tune in now and unlock the secrets to personal growth and facing your inner monsters. Hi guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later and see you soon.